0: they as they take their seats thank you for joining me in that special time of prayer for both our educators those in the school system as well as our students as they've begun their year of matriculation well, I invite your attention to James. That's the letter that we've been studying together. Uh, James, the half-brother of Christ, uh, who came to faith after the resurrection of our Lord, witnessing the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit led him to pen this particular letter to believers. Believers then that were f- scattered abroad due to um, the, the catastrophes that were happening and um, them being under oppression. He sends them this letter as an encouragement then, and also, he gives this letter today to us as an encouragement now. If you went on last week, we talked about the reality of our trials. That trials will come upon each and every one of us. That trials are really unavoidable. They're really universal. They, everyone who is living can, will, and shall experience trials. But also with that, as we're going to look together, we also experience Temptation. Join me in God's word, beginning at verse 12. The word declares, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creation. With Hope, Holy Spirit, uh, and just in time, as you enter into this new school season, we want to look at this passage, Sonia, with this thought in our minds, and that is defeating temptation. Would you say that? Defeating temptation. Father, as we gather, We ask that you would incline our eyes to the truth of your word, incline our souls and our our minds to be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that it might take root in our lives and produce fruit for your glory, that we might learn to trust and love you more and love each other better. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The story goes that a a visiting um, pastor was going into a classroom, and he had been asked or given the task to share with the students about trials. He himself personally had gone through um, and endured quite the trial in his own personal life with the loss of loved ones and just financial strain and illness. And so he was invited by the teacher to to share with the students about how to, to navigate trials. So he goes in and he writes on the board as he is talking about trials. He writes T-R-A-I-L-S on the board. He writes it out in big letters so that all the students who are sitting attentive could see it spelled out. He was talking about trials and he wrote out T-R-A-I-L-S. And some of you, like the student in the back of the class, couldn't sit still when they saw this written on the board in this way. And so what he did, Austin, uh, he raised his hand from the back of the class because he just couldn't take it now that this this teacher is speaking about trials, but he spelled T-R-A-I-L-S. And so he asked, he said, "Uh, sir, excuse me, um, but you didn't spell trials, you spelled trails. To which the pastor said, no, it's correct, because every trial is a trail that either leads you to Christ directs you away from Christ. That's what our trials are. And James tells us that there is a blessing for us when we endure under our trials. That's how he starts our letter. He says to the person who withstands, who stands steadfast under trials, don't give up on God. Don't run away from the faith, from the person who endures, who trusts God even through the times of trouble. To that person, he calls them blessed. Similar to how Christ does in the Beatitudes, he, he calls them blessed. He said they're, they're happy. They, they grow in contentment because trials are intended to grow you spiritually. That They're intended to produce in us a level of faith that even circumstances can't shake. That they're intended by God to grow in us such a strong faith that our faith moves from our circumstances and what we see in life to the, the faithfulness and reality of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior of our lives. That our faith in God grows stronger and stronger with every trial. He says that the person who endures... Under the weight of trials, they're blessed," he said. "For they stood the test, and they receive the crown of life. This crown is is reward or a declaration that declares that that person is of royalty. That person." Belongs to God. That person is part of the kingdom of God. And truly, in Scripture, we're we're told of many crowns. I I listed a few for you. Many crowns that are extended to the believer. I mean, the believer's crowns are the imperishable crown, or a crown of rejoicing. There's the crown of righteousness. James tells us about the crown of life. And later on, to those who lead a congregation uh, faithfully, there's the crown of glory. But the crown of life is really a a true blessing. It's a blessing that God has given you the capacity to experience, to enjoy, and to extend the goodness of life while you're in this life. That's that's the crown of life. And when we are enduring our trials, let's be honest. Wait, let me check. Anybody in here ever endured a trial? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not in this thing by myself. Um, when we, let's, let's be honest, just for a moment, because when we endure trials, can we tell the truth in here? When we endure trials, every now and then, we, we start to hyper-focus on the pretty profiles of other people's lives. Hmm? And if we're not careful with that trial, we'll then be tempted to be resentful toward other people. But if we read the text clearly... It does tell us that not only do you endure trials and temptation, but everyone endures trials and temptation. I'm, I'm in verse 13 now. Because the Bible says, let no one say when he is tempted. Notice it didn't say if. It says, oh, I, I thought you were reading your Bible too. It, it says what? Which means all of us will have a time that, that trials and temptations are equal opportunity employers. They will find you, know where you live. They will come into your mix at, at, at what is always the wrong time. And you'll find yourself dealing, confronting with a choice. In trials and in facing temptation, that choice comes in whether or not I'm going to choose to trust in Because the truth is, we demonstrate our love for God when we do not give in to the temptation to depart from God's will. Because temptation, get this, is the luring to depart from the will of God. In every context, in every scene, temptation is the alluring to depart from God's perfect will. And we demonstrate our love for God when we do not give in to temptation. Now, I know who I'm talking to. I understand because all of us, if we were honest and we weren't tempted to lie, we would admit that there has been some times when we gave in to temptation. I'm going to look over here. I think i got friends somewhere right here. I ain't not get no amens from there, but I just think that, you know... <laughs> that hard subject, and yet we all deal with it, right? Every day, you don't, even when you're not looking for it, it looks for you. The Bible says, when a person is tempted, they must understand and not say to themselves, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He says, God doesn't tempt It's interesting, James used the same word here, uh, but that is translated as trial as also as temptation. But I want you to understand that we must distinguish between trials and temptation. See, temptation is a solicitation to do evil. And while the same word is translated trial and temptation, the differ is in the source Who's it coming from? The source, the purpose, and the outcome, whether or not it's a trial or a temptation. In the same event, God and the devil can be at work. And God uses test to perfect us. And Satan, the devil, comes to convert, uh, to, to counterfeit and, and contaminate the test to make it a temptation to tempt us away from trusting that God knows what's best for us. Oh, uh, I know it's tight, but, but and it's right. It's right here. Um, because the truth is, God never leads us into temptation. He leads us away from temptation. 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter 13, verse says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation. He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Did you catch that? That God always has an escape clause when you find yourself doing time in, the t- in temptation. That God is always there. I love this text because it says he will provide a way, which means when you're going through the temptation, God is right there with you. And if you only focus on him, you'll see the way out that he has provided for you. Now, let's be honest. He, he provides a way, but we have to be disciplined enough to focus on God enough that when he opens that window and provides a way, we don't pull the shades down. Because if you didn't desire it, it wouldn't be temptation. Hmm? And check out how, how James points it out. He says, no, God doesn't tempt us, but each of us is tempted. But each person is tempted. Each person. Man, if I was sitting next to you, I'd talk to the person right next to you, he say, he's talking to you. <laughs> each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Mm. Uh, wait a minute, I can't blame it all on the devil. Can't be like that comic of old that said the devil made me do it. No, it's, it's, it's in us. There is something in us that is, is twisted, that is, is so tainted that it has an affinity, a, a draw to that which is not in God's will for us. So he gives us the process of sin. He says um, that that what sin does, that each person, when you're enticed by your own desire, then that desire, uh, that desire when conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings death. Did you see the process? See, temptation of itself is not evil. Everyone is tempted. And shall be tempted. Come on, be honest with me. You know, sometimes when, when, you, when you wake up in the morning, and there's a temptation that just flashes across your mind. You didn't look for it and ask for it, it was just there. I'm looking for friends right now. Because when you talk about these subjects, you need, you need people you can look at. Um, okay, let's put it on like this um, Have you ever tried to, um, to stay away from some kinds of food? I'll make it easy for you. make it easy for you. And yeah. uh, Anybody here, you, you ever tried to stay away from, from sweets one day? I mean, you, you know, you start out the year, you say, I'm going to do better with my diet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay away from sweets. Uh, but then somebody happens to bring a chocolate cake in the house. Mm? You ever been there? And you tell yourself, I'm strong enough. I can handle it. I, I, it won't mess with me. I, I won't do it. And you see that chocolate cake and, and, and you look at it and say, well, maybe if I cover it up. I cover it up, and then I leave the scene, and then, but, but it, it keeps calling you. So then you, you look at it, and you say, no, I'm going to push you way back in the back, so I don't see that thing. And then you're sleeping, and all of a sudden, that cake calls you. <laughs> Ever happened? to anybody in there? Uh, and you get up, and then you, you, you know, Austin, you, you nibble, and you say, I won't take that much. It's just a little bite this time. And, and, and before you know you got chocolate all over your face, all, all on the floor. That's really how it works. Right? Because the process of sin is this. He takes what is, is a desire that, that, that is not necessarily an evil desire. It, it could be a, a natural desire, like, like food, and you're tempted to eat too much, which turns into sin called gluttony. Natural desire, like sex, but out of the wrong context of marriage, it turns into immorality. Wealth in the right context is not a bad thing, but if I want wealth too much, then all of a sudden it can turn into the sin of greed. If I'm not careful, I I like to get my sleep in. Anybody in here, you like to get your sleep in? Uh, Yeah, I got got a few folks uh, that get your sleep in. But if I'm not careful, that sleep can turn into laziness. Hmm? Because Satan perverts it and and changes it. I can desire success, but I can desire it so much that at the extent that I'll cheat to get it. But every trial on the back side of that coin is also the propensity for temptation. And look at the process, the process of sin. The process of sin begins with desire. That's the arousal of desire. And then it moves to deception. And from deception, it goes to disobedience. And from disobedience, it brings forth death. It's been happening from the beginning of mankind because if you go to Genesis, the third chapter, you see the first human family, Adam and Eve, that married couple that God put together in the garden. God provided everything for them. Every tree was good for food for them to nourish them and care for them. God gave him a job before he gave him a wife. I got a daughter over here. I'm just, just just want to put that in there. Uh, No, no, I gave him a place to stay before before he gave him work. But then this couple now is in the garden, and if you know their story, you know they're existing in the garden under the umbrella of God's grace, getting having all this favor. But then there's one tree in the garden, of all the trees of the garden, where God tells them, do not eat of this tree, for in the day you do it, you will surely die. And surely enough, while they were hanging out too close to that tree, a serpent, uh, who is the devil personified, comes and begins to dialogue with them, and all of a sudden, they find themselves enticed. They began to look at that which they were not supposed to play with, and they they see it. And then the devil's deception comes, where he starts to twist uh, the truth with a lie. You know, he does it that way. He tells you just as much of the truth, and then he mingles in Alive with that. Okay, uh, kind of like some of those apps that's in the App Store. They tell you it's free, but then when you download it and you go far enough with it, all of a sudden now they want to charge you. Yeah, yeah, just like that. Um, he, he, he's, he's mixing it in, and then deception takes place. In fact, the text uses a fishing term there for all our fishermen. He said uh, that, that it's in you, right? But when the tempter comes, he comes and entices you. And when you take the bait, you're, you're lured, Because a good fisherman doesn't just throw a hook out there and expect the fish to bite. No, no, the fisherman puts a lure that he knows is particular to that that particular fish. So when that fish sees the bait, if they take the bait, then all, all of a sudden they get hooked. You're looking at me like you don't understand this thing. But the reality is in you is something that wants to do what God doesn't want you to do outside the time of God, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to follow the will of God, but we, we, have, a good, we have a good eye at judging other people who take the bait. Mm. But just because their bait's not your bait doesn't mean that you don't have a bait. And Satan's been watching you a long time because the truth is, before we were with Christ, we were with Satan, so Satan knows all the things you like that your neighbor don't know you like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he uses this, he uses this to get our attention off the will of God so that when we take the bait, we then get hooked, hooked into being disobedient. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They, they took the bait. They, they take the fruit and they see, the Bible says, that it was good for food. So they, they're now bought into the deception that it's going to be good for them because somehow in their minds they believe that God's will wasn't the best for them. And so they take the fruit and they eat of the fruit. And when they eat of the fruit, they realize at that moment they have disobeyed the will of God and death entered into humanity. Even the death of a relationship between them and God. That God is calling out to them, saying, hey, where are you? Because now those who ran to God are hiding from God. Yeah, sin will do that because that's the process of sin. Desire, deception, disobedience, and then death. And look at what he says in verse 15. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived to think that you won't encounter temptation." Do not be deceived to think that you are stronger than the temptations that you will encounter. Don't be deceived in thinking that temptation comes from God. Because temptation comes from the tempter who is the devil. That God doesn't tempt us, but Satan does tempt us. And he wants us to abort the will of God for our lives. But let me remind you what Ephesians 2 and 10 says. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Of Philippians 2.13 that says, It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And Satan does not want you to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. So he comes and runs interference because he wants you to destroy your opportunity to give God glory. And so he comes he comes to distort some things. He comes to, to bring us through the process of sin. But here's the good news. We can defeat it. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we can defeat it. It's going to come, but we can defeat temptation. I, I call this my, my, I call this, I shouldn't say my, but it's, it's the it is written plan. The it is written plan. Some of you Bible scholars, you already know where I'm going with this. It's the it is written plan. It's what we see in Matthew 4 and 4 and Matthew 6, Matthew 4 and 6, 4 and 7, 4 and 10, where Christ then is led out of the Jordan after his baptism, goes into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and he is tempted by the devil. And every time the devil came to tempt him, to give him a thought, he, the thought came and the thought went because Jesus always started it this way. Here was his response. It is written. Written. Some of you know this, because when he tried to tempt him in his state of hunger to turn stones into bread, Jesus says, it is written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the, the mouth of God. You want to overcome temptation, take, take the moves of Christ and apply them to your life. Let Christ be your model, so when temptation comes, you're able to say, it is written. But you can't say, it is written, if you don't read what's written. Hmm? hmm? I'm trying to help you understand something. You you can't say it is written if you don't remember what is written. You can't say it is written if you don't recite what is written. You can't say it is written if you don't rehearse what it is written. You can't say it is written if you you don't learn how to repeat it. I hope you caught this because that's really the plan to overcome and defeat temptation. You gotta read the word of God. You have to remember the word of God. You have to recite the word of God. You have to rehearse the word of God, and guess what, when you do that, you go ahead and repeat it all over again. Did you catch it the first time? Okay, you read the word of God. Because all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for us for reproof and for correction and for doctrine, so that the man or woman of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Somebody ought to say, Read the Word of God. Word. But not only do you read the Word of God, you commit it to memory. Like some of these jacked up songs that we committed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that when you, you hear the tune, all of a sudden you didn't even want the song, but if a song is stuck in your head, stuck in your head, stuck in your head, in your head you. Okay, there you go. Uh, so you hear the tune and all of a sudden you, you're singing that tune. Let that be the word of God in your life that you rehearse it over and over again in your life. You recite it to yourself. You recite it out loud so you read it and you remember it. So you can be like the man in Psalm 1 where the Bible says he meditates on the word day and night. That you should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and its leaf will not wither. Not only do you read it, but practice it to remember it. Then he says, and you, you recite it. That's what Jesus is doing in the, in the wilderness. He's reciting the word of God. And we ought to get into the habit and practice of communicating the word of God. It'll change how you see things when you say more, when you, when you read the word of God out loud. But not only do you read it, you rehearse it, you practice it, you, you do it. Like James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a, be a doer also. Be a doer of the word. And when you've and when you have successfully defeated that temptation, don't don't, don't put your guards down. Because there's another temptation that's coming around the corner. That's why Jesus told his disciples when they were in Gethsemane. He told them to watch and pray that they do not enter into temptation. That means give give way to it or give give up to it. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Because God wants us to win against temptation so that our, our lives would, would be as the as text declares that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience with your obedience is complete. That we ought to take some stuff captive. That when enemy comes and tells you to give up, you ought to take some stuff captive and let them know that if God be for me, if God be for me, no one can be against me. When trials are coming and it looks like they're going to get the best of you, you take that thought captive and you say all things work together. Not some things, but all things work together to those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. this is the end of the road, and you've done the worst you can do. you got to remember, you got a God that says, let the redeemed of the Lord, and he's redeemed you, you ought to say so. That when you get to the end of your rope, and you don't know how you're going to make it, you are able to say that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he's going to direct your path. you got to stand on the word of God. Let it be your, your foundation, because the feet... To defeat temptation consistently? Y'all, we got to have confidence and trust God continuously. Trust Him. Trust His will. Trust His word. Trust His gifts. That's how James says it. James says, you want to overcome temptation? Focus on God. And focus on what God gives. Because the enemy wants to cause us to think that what God gives isn't enough. The enemy wants us to think that what God gives us is not sufficient. But the truth is, God gives you only one kind of gift. It's in the text. For verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What is the text telling us? It's telling us that everything good that's happened in your life is a gift from God. That if it's really good for you, then God is the source and knowing that God is a source of those things that are good for you, then when you're at a, at, at a point of, of decision where you have to make a choice of whether or not you're going to choose God's way or your own way, then the, then the best choice is always choose God's way because God gives the best gifts. Amen. Wait a minute, Pastor, but you got to understand, sometimes I, I don't want to go with God's gift. I think I want my gift. My gift uh, when I was in high school was tall, dark, and handsome. Then I saw him at that class reunion, and I realized he don't have no teeth, no job, no... Then you're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for not giving me my gift. God's gifts. <laughs> it flips the other way, too, yeah, fella. It flips the other way, too. It, it works both ways. But God's gifts are always the, the best gifts. Yeah. But let's be honest. Even though we know that God's gifts are the best gifts, why don't we always choose his gifts? Perhaps it's because we've been ignoring what bait the enemy has been using successfully in our own lives. Hmm? Or perhaps we thought for some reason that when we came to Christ that we'd be um, impervious to trials and temptation. When the truth is we're going to face them. And the only way we can overcome them is to face them with the gift that God has given us. Let me give you some practical things to hang hang your hat to. Because you're all going to face temptation, um, but in preparation for the temptation you're going to face, build for yourself some accountability. And, and not only accountability, but, but put some, some guardrails so that, so that you don't have easy accessibility. So, so you build accountability and then accessibility, and, and so it's not as available to you. Like, like, so there's no readily available option for you to just get to. It. Let me help you for a moment. Those of you who are struggling with, with pornography, let's just put that out there, uh, struggling with pornography. But, but you got the computer in your bedroom. Maybe you ought to put the computer in the family room. So everybody can see, I ain't got no amens on that, but I'm just tell you what it is. Uh. So now you got accountability. Maybe you should put uh, some software on the computer that, that makes it so hard for you to, to access that which you've been trying to access so it gives you some time to think and, and slow down. But maybe what you should do, if, it, if it's that bad, just take the computer out of the house and just start using the one in the library. Hmm? Amen. Because God wants better for you. He wants better for you. He wants to make you an overcomer. Look how he ends the text. He says, yes, you'll be tempted. But don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father who doesn't change. He doesn't change. So if he get, he's a giver of perfect gifts, he continues to give perfect gifts. And look at the best gift, verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. It was God's will that brought us forth to know the truth of his love and the truth that he offers us in forgiveness. It is God's truth that brought us out. He said, so we would be a kind of first fruit, <laughs> that we would be bearers of his glory. So when others see our lives, they're able to see the work of God in our lives. And it all started because God did it. I hope you get this. Because our God only gives good gifts, and when you come to Him, He'll give you the gift of His presence that will give you the power to overcome the enemy's temptations. That it'll be part of your testimony that I I used to do that, but because of the grace of God, I'm a new creation. Somebody know that that when you come to Christ, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new because Christ said, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We celebrate lives that have already been set free. We celebrate how God is transforming hearts and transforming lives, and He's not done because He can do the same for your life. When we are honest with ourselves about our struggles, and come before God in that honesty and authenticity. God doesn't push us away. We don't have to hide from God. God knows everything there is to know about us, and He loves us. Ah. You'll never love you as much as God loves you. God wants you to know the freedom that is in knowing Christ. He, He wants you to To not always be, not always fall victim to the same temptations over and and over and and over again. Then, then Then Satan then reminds you of how guilty you are. And then you sit paralyzed in your past and you're not moving to your future. God says, I got a better way for you. The Word says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, the Bible says you will be delivered, you will be saved, that God can do what you can't do for you. But you got to trust Him. I'd like to bow your heads all over the building. Our prayer partners are getting in place. I, I want to extend that invitation for you to trust Him. Trust Him for the plan and purpose for your life. Trust Him that His will is better than your own will. Trust Him because the plans and purposes that He has for you is to to give you hope and a future. Trust Him because He's able to rescue you from sin. To unlock the shackles and bondages that come from sin and receive you. As his child. With your heads bowed, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to come down these aisles, whatever you're dealing with, and bring that to the Lord and trust Him. Fathers, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your word. It doesn't leave us out there fighting temptation on our own, but we can boldly come to you knowing that every good gift, the presence of your and power of your Spirit is available to us if we only just would receive you, accept you, help us to make the decision on this day to say yes to you in everything. Say yes to your will, no matter what we're facing, that we're gonna trust you, trust you in every circumstance, trust you in every situation, trust you with our very lives because we believe you know what's best for us. So help us to walk in that truth accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Now, would you stand all over the Thank building? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.